welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today, I'm going to be talking about baking for the brain. And I have to start off by saying hello to my friend in Australia who sent me a LinkedIn message and said she was driving down the southern Australian coast listening to my podcast. That just makes me smile from ear to ear. And it's just so cool. It's so cool. I mean, how we can reach people across the world, you know. I'm just sitting here in this office of mine where, you know, I... um. I've converted it into this, like, it used to be my yoga room, actually. When we first moved in here, it was my yoga room, and my office was in the bedroom, and then, because I did not want to mix my yoga room with my office, because my office, I correlated with too much stress, and so I wanted my yoga room to be untouched, unscathed, but um, I ended up switching them so the yoga uh now I do in the bedroom and um this room was converted into my office and <clears throat> anyway uh why did I start saying that because um because I know this friend through work and um it's just so cool that I can be in this comfortable place in my house and be speaking to somebody in Australia so super cool and hello and thank you so much for listening it means so much to me um, to have somebody reach out to me and say you know what I I can relate to what you're saying that just that means the world to me so um, okay so here we go I've always been uncomfortable inviting people to spend time with me um, it, it could be very similar to that uncomfortable feeling I get uh, not picking up the phone, like, or picking up the phone and having to call somebody um, and being like, oh, you know, I don't want to bother them or whatever. Well, over the time that I have been sober, I've started to gain the willingness to get uncomfortable. I've started to, in fact, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So when I am faced with something that I get to do, not I have to do, but something I get to do, the more uncomfortable thinking about it makes me feel, the more I feel that I must do it, you know, it's, it's weird. Like I used, when I was drinking, it was like the more uncomfortable something, the idea of something made me, I just shrank deeper and deeper into my, uh, bed, you know, under my sheets, under my covers. And now it's more like when I'm facing something that's uncomfortable, I can't get it done fast enough. I wanna, I wanna get to the other side of it. So 
Um, I was thinking back to when I was a kid and I really never even asked friends over to come over and play. I waited to be invited over. And I really only remember inviting people over as I got older and started having like parties, having keggers, you know? Um, then I was fine asking people over because, you know, I was not fearful of rejection. And uh, I'm in that situation, I'm like, all right, well, it's your loss. You have free beer, you know? Um, but my new thing is, and I've talked about it in episodes recently, just recently, is when somebody says, I wish there's something I could do for you, my response now is there is something you can do. You can text me, call me, come visit me. And, um, and people have been responding to that. And I just never like to do that because of the fear of rejection. Um, I don't know if that's silly or not, but, um, so last weekend I invited a friend over to, to make uh, pretzels with me. And when I invited her over, I did mention this to her after the fact, but when I first invited her, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like I was inviting a boy on a first date, some boy I didn't know on a first date. Like, that's how, like, I was like, I hope she says yes, you know? Um, I was just afraid. I'm just so afraid of rejection. I, um, you know that feeling when somebody asks you to do something and you don't want to do it and you're, you feel like, oh, I gotta say yes, um, but you want to say no. Well, I don't want to make somebody feel that way. So I just don't invite anybody over, you know? Um, anyway, my friend said yes. And then, uh, so I felt like it wasn't, um, it wasn't going to be any more uncomfortable to invite another person. So I invited two friends over last weekend and we made pretzels and I talked about that. Um, so, uh, I think I told this story, but I'm just going to say it again, just, um, just to catch people up if, if somebody didn't listen to that episode. So I'm just going to catch us up to today. Um, so it started, this all started by my boyfriend and my sister recommending that I should bake. And so my boyfriend suggested that I make pretzels, like the big Bavarian pretzels. And I'm like, yes, I want to eat pretzels. So he went out and got all the stuff for me. Um, and I just kept putting it off. And the reason why was because I didn't want to look at the recipe because the recipe was on a digital device. So I didn't feel like the pain in my head was worth, worth it worth a pretzel. <laughs> you know, it's always like, mm, I'm, I'm weighing uh, whether I want to do something if it's worth the pain. 
So a pretzel was not worth the pain. So I just kept putting it off and I was still learning voiceover on my phone. So I wasn't quite comfortable enough to read a recipe using voiceover, like using my finger with the um, screen curtain on and just listening to the recipe. So I just kept putting it off. Um, so I was talking to him one day and I thought, well, why don't I invite my friend over and she can read the recipe and then we'll cook to, we'll bake together. So yes, it felt like inviting a stranger on a date and she said yes. And I was super excited. So I invited another friend over and, um, so we baked pretzels and I just had so much fun. It was just so much fun. And, um, so my niece, offer to come over and play with me today and so she said something to me like earlier uh, earlier in the week and um, I was like yeah let's that's so awesome let's do something um, I'll think of an activity for us to do so she came over today and my um, my boyfriend made us marinated steaks on the grill and we had rice and Brussels sprouts and then we also made pretzels and I wanted to do it again because I enjoyed it so much the last weekend then uh, as I was winding down tonight after she left I thought well I told her when she was leaving I'm like I haven't even picked a podcast um, topic yet today so we were laughing about that but um so I sat down and I was thinking about how happy it made me to bake uh these past two times with friends so I thought huh I'm gonna look that up look that up uh hear that up I don't know I don't know what I say because I'm not looking at, at anything but anyway um, I searched it with my handy voiceover on my phone about, um, about what baking does for the brain. Like, um, you know, I really wanted to look into what is it that I'm feeling, you know, and all that stuff because I have too much time on my hands. And, uh, and then as I was researching, I also uh, found some information about people baking with brain fog. And um, I've heard lots of people talking about this brain fog thing, but I haven't quite looked into how, what brain fog, how it's defined and, and really looked into that. So um, I'll probably do an episode on brain fog. Um, I know there's lots of different things that cause brain fog and uh, just because I haven't looked it up or had anybody define it for me, I wasn't quite sure if that's what I'm experiencing. But the more I'm looking at it, the more I'm pretty sure that is what I'm experiencing, the more that I am exposed to uh, overstimulation. So, uh, backing up a little bit here. So what, uh, what came to mind for me was 
those movies. I feel like I've seen so many movies where the main actress is baking, like stress baking. It's called stress baking. And um, a, an example of that is Bridesmaids. If you've seen Bridesmaids. If you haven't seen Bridesmaids, you gotta see Bridesmaids. But um, in that that movie, uh, the main actress is a baker and she, uh, a lot of like her emotion is tied to her baking. And so when she feels a certain way, she will bake or she won't bake. And, um, and then towards the end of the movie, she, um, she, she tries to make amends with somebody through baking. So, um, anyway, it really kind of supported this idea that I wanted to look into the effects of baking. Um, so just to summarize it a little bit, um, just, uh, like stress baking itself. So creativity, right, helps people calm down. We know that because there's lots of therapists that recommend painting and um, there's like some that recommend playing games and stuff like that. So baking pulls in several of these healthy activities for the brain. Creativity, um, you have to do some calculation, you know, a little bit of math when you're measuring your ingredients and then you're handling different textures and you have to stay in the moment. You can't bake and have your mind drifting off. It's not like reading a book. You know, I have always struggled with reading a book, like in my hands reading a book, um, as opposed to listening to Audible. I've always struggled with that my whole life because my mind just drifts when, um, when I'm reading a book. So, um, thank God for Audible because now I can pump out lots of books. Um, but baking, you can't really do that. You really have to be present. You have to be thinking clearly and you're using your fine motor skills a lot of times. And so you really uh, need to, um, you know, practice mindfulness really. So, um, along the same lines of creativity, baking is a way of expressing yourself, exercising your brain. It's also, believe it or not, um, got some physical activity involved, depending on what you're baking. Like, Today, today we made pretzels and my niece, uh, she was saying, oh, it's kind of hard, you know, like it's, it's kind of tough. And I could hear her kind of, um, feeling a little bit, little bit like it was a workout, you know? So, um, so all of this, it really, um, is a positive experience for our bodies and our brains to bake. So, when I looked into this baking with brain fog, um, 
what I what I listened to said this, and I thought it I could really relate to this um, about brain fog. This is how I feel. It feels like my brain is firing through marshmallow fluff. That's what it feels like, and it it makes the more tasks that come at me at one time, if I'm experiencing experiencing brain fog, is I become easily overwhelmed. And the more that that happens, the more I start making mistakes. It gets very frustrating. So I wrote down some examples of things that I did, I think all of them I did today. Let's no, one of them I did I did the other day. Okay, so here are some examples of the brain fog that I'm experiencing. And if if you were just baking with a friend who did not have a stroke and was not experiencing these different symptoms that I'm experiencing, I think it would be funny. But when I'm doing these things, you can imagine it's very frustrating for me. So here are some examples of what I've been experiencing. Now this is when, if I have like overstimulated myself. Um, and so that's what, as much as I absolutely loved having my niece over, there are some repercussions um, in my, I guess, my brain, my physical, I don't know. I, I have some effects afterwards because it's a lot. It's exhausting. It's physically and uh, not mentally exhausting, just physically exhausting, cognitively exhausting. I guess maybe that's the word. So one thing I did today is I got the baking soda container out. So my boyfriend is very, very organized. So we have the baking soda. Everything in our cabinet is in plastic containers and they are all labeled what they are. <laughs> and um, it's, yeah, it's, I'm sure that you have not seen this in another household. It's to that extreme, but it's awesome. So anyway, I get the baking soda container out and, um, my niece uh, scoops the baking soda out. So I'm putting the baking soda back and I take the measuring cup, the plastic measuring cup, and put it on top of the baking soda container as a lid. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense. But I did it. And I stopped and I was like, what am I doing? You know, and I actually called it out to both of them. I was like, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? And it's just, it's frustrating to me. Um, the other thing that I did today, and I don't know if they noticed this or not, but I was about to put the butter in the cabinet where the flour goes or where the sugar goes. But I caught myself before I stuck it in there. Um... Another thing that I did um, 
not today, but I, it was just another example that I thought of is I was making some scrambled eggs in the morning and I broke the egg, you know, I cracked the eggs and then I dumped the actual egg down the sink and put the shells into the mixing bowl. And then I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why did I just do that? Like, it's like I just can't... It's not like I'm multitasking because when I... Before I had the stroke, if I was multitasking, I might do something silly like that. But now I'm not... All I'm doing is cracking an egg and trying to put it in the bowl. And I end up pouring the egg into the sink and putting the shell into the mixing bowl. So, um, it almost puts a lump in my throat because that's how frustrating it is. Because I can't do anything about it. I don't know what to do, really. Um, so for me, like I said, that it's, it's when I get overstimulated. So this is... I try to define the brain fog a little bit for me. So if I'm, if I start getting overstimulated and I don't know at this point if it's just visual or if it's, I'm doing too much, I'm focused for too long or something like that. Um, so it starts with like this kind of dizziness it's hard to say it's like uh maybe that's what you call the day uh the brain fog but it's like a light headache um if i were to if i were to um sorry now i'm starting to lose my words um rate the headache between between one and ten i would say it's like a three out of ten uh, that's how it starts and then if I'm continuously exposed to whatever situation I'm in whatever environment I'll start getting those rubber bands that I've talked about before um, I haven't been dealing a lot with the rubber bands right now but I think it's because the migraine medicine that I was given uh, by the neurologist hasn't completely worn off. I feel it coming back day by day. Um, and then depending on the scenery, I'll get sharp pains on either side of my head or behind my eyes. So that seemed very, seems very visual, visually related. Like if the windows are open and the sun is really bright or something like that, or there's a bright light in the room, or I accidentally look at somebody's cell phone uh, brightness or something like that, then I'll get a sharp pain. Then there's this feeling of fatigue that starts to set in. And it starts with me softening my focus visually, where I'm kind of... Uh, I call it staring, but I'm not staring at one thing. I'm like losing my focus so that I'm, I'm just kind of relaxing my brain and my eyes. So I imagine that it's, I'm letting the double vision thing happen or, or something, you know, like I'm not forcing 
my brain to converge the images that I see. I just let them, let it be, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Um, and then I'll start yawning a bit and then I'll start getting this inability to think clearly. Um, I, I can no longer at this point do two things at once, meaning two things that a normal human being would be able to do, like chew gum and walk, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I don't mean that literally, but, but maybe, maybe it's close to that. Uh, but that would cause me to do things like put the measuring cup on top of the baking soda container. If I'm listening to my niece and my boyfriend talking, I can't, I can't do something with my hands and think through what I'm doing. I have to stop and either listen to them or do my task. I can't do both of them at once. And um, that'll grow into being uh, unable to focus at all. And I will literally have to just sit down. Um, and then it'll get to the point where I'm just forgetful. So I've done things recently like leaving. This is one that I've I've been doing several times. So now, like when I turn the hose on outside to fill up um, the bulldog uh, puppy Boris's uh, swimming pool, when I fill that up, I have to stand there and wait for the pool to be at whatever level I want it to be and then turn off the hose. I can't walk away anymore because I'll I have um, consistently forgotten, so now I have to stand there. Um, and it's just, if I, the, this, if we're going to call it brain fog, this brain fog is very variable depending on the day. So, like, today was a long day. Um, I had a wonderful day, so... Niece, I don't want you to uh, let this be a deterrent. You keep coming back here. Um, but it is something that, you know, I'm cognizant of. Like, that I made sure that I napped before she got here. And then I'm, like, at this point, I'm very spent. I'm having, it's everything I can do to... Um, to really focus on getting through this podcast. I have my Remarkable tablet, which I've talked about is like a, it's a tablet, but it's like a piece of paper. It has no backlight. So I'm literally uh, not reading my notes, but I'm referencing exactly what I need to say because if I were to put this away, I there's no way I would be able to finish the story. I, I wouldn't be able to even finish a thought, actually. Um, so I can tell at this point that um, I can't do anything other than the immediate task in front of me. So when I'm done with this podcast, I will be doing one thing at a time. Um, 
So typically when I'm getting ready to go to bed, I am putting all of this stuff away and then I have a candle that I always light beside me because it just makes me cozy when I'm doing my podcast. So I just need to step by step. And then when I leave the room, I need to look back and make sure that I've done everything, blown out the candle, turn out the light. You know, it's just I have to put a lot more um, focus into each thing that I need to do. I, I can't just kind of grab everything and do, 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 and I'm out the door like, like I would normally would, um, which maybe isn't so great. I should be slowing down in life anyway. So when I was listening to this brain fog, there, this, uh, article was about baking with brain fog and it gave some recommendations on how people who have uh, chronic illnesses um, and suffer from brain fog, how they can still bake. Um, and it talked a lot about how elderly people can bake. And so some of the things were, were things that I practice, which is like prepping everything beforehand setting a timer for everything, even things that you wouldn't normally set a timer for, just to remember that it is something that is in progress, even if it doesn't have a time limit, um, just so that you remember that it's happening. And then uh, I was also thinking when I'm, um, when I'm, doing something and I have like a thought in my mind that I need to remember to, you know, like, let's say I'm making scrambled eggs and I want to make some toast or something like that. Like in order to remember that I wanted to have toast, I have to get the toast out at the moment that I think of it because I might not remember that I wanted to make toast, if that makes sense. Um, and I'm talking like, this is when I'm at my extreme, which is what I am right now. So it's like my physical energy and my cognitive energy get depleted at the same pace. So. Um, now that I've been able to explain a little bit, um, I think I've been able to articulate a little bit more how I'm feeling and, and what this recovery thing feels like. Um, that's always helpful for me as well. Um, I wanted to end by talking about the benefits of baking. I don't know if this episode's flowing very well, but whatevs. So here are the benefits of baking, the benefits for your brain. So um, there are five benefits. Um, it allows you to calm down. And that's why stress baking is a thing. And I hear that stress baking really has become a big thing over the past decade. And I think that's why they've had a lot of movies where the woman's like, you know, she's freaking out and then she just starts baking. She just starts baking cakes and cupcakes and stuff. 
um, because it's supposed to actually calm you down. So baking can be meditative, um, just like for me, running is meditative because when I'm running, I can't do anything but run. And, and of course, I'm not running now, so I'm talking about before all of this stroke and such. But when I was running, I couldn't do anything but run. All I could do was think about my breathing and putting one step in front of the other. Um, and so baking... It's the same kind of thing. You're juggling so many different tasks and making sure that um, that you're not uh, be. You just can't. Your brain can't be anywhere else but in the moment. So it is uh, like a uh, mindfulness practice. So calming and relaxation. It uh, reduces anxiety and fear if you're fearful of something, say you got a big old presentation the next day, bake something that night. And, um, and that'll at least get some of that energy out of you and, uh, and allow you to just focus and, and calm down a little bit. So the second one is uh, control. So I wanted to pull out how baking can help somebody in recovery, why it's good for the brain in recovery. And so um, this thing about control is that we, in recovery, there's, there's so much that we can't control. You know, I can control that I need to do my therapy every day, which I do, um, but I can't control everything else. You know, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't, I control as much as I can, um, in my world famous schedule that I have posted on the wall. That is my level of control that I have. Everything else is in, you know, is in God's hands or who are the universe's hands. Um, but baking is baking is like the micromanager's version of cooking. You have to be precise. And like my niece said, every recipe is like a science experiment. Um, so baking tends to give you this sense of control. And so um, at a time when you don't really have any, it's encouraging to have that. So um, we've got calm, number one, control, number two. Three is focus. So along the same lines with so much uncertainty in recovery, it's really hard to focus. So baking gives the opportunity to be mindful, stay present, and focus on the output. Focus on the goal. The goal is the cupcake, you know? And, and so you can just keep your eye on the cupcake. You know that there is a short-term goal that's going to come out of that baking. And you can live that experience from beginning to middle to end. Uh, be, end being the cupcake. And... Um, 
and, and, and it gives you the ability to have one thing to focus on. Just one thing. Not multitasking. You may be multitasking if you're baking. I can't, but anywho. Uh, okay. Uh, so number four is happiness. So baking um, gets those happy chemicals flowing. So the satisfaction of completing the task and of getting that cupcake at the end uh, release all kinds of happy chemicals. The happy chemicals that I talked about in the happy chemicals episode. Dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. And then the fifth one is uh, social interaction. And that's what I've been trying to take advantage of is this is an activity that I can do that with somebody else doesn't hurt my head. Um, so the other person has to be willing to read the recipe and be the uh, head chef and I'm the sous chef. Um, and so baking with somebody gives you that, uh, that sense of community and love and not only baking with somebody, but also you have the opportunity to give your baked goods away, which also is uh, a way to um, get some happy chemicals flowing because you have that sense of accomplishment and, um, and achievement. So, uh, these are the five things that, um, that baking can do for our brain while we're in recovery. And that was calm, control, focus, happiness, and social interaction. So, baking stimulates all the functions of the brain. It stimulates your, uh, cognitive health and that's through um, doing all the measurements there's a lot of calculation involved a lot of reading um, it'll also play on your memory a lot because a lot of us have lots of memories of baking um, baking is something that um, many of us do over the holidays or we did with our parents and stuff so it also um, brings up lots of memories and then uh, so that's that's one brain function motor skills so um, for elderly people it helps them uh, practice controlling their movements uh, it also uh, is good for our emotional health so uh, not only personal emotional health but also that social interaction and reducing stress and then it also um, exercises all of our senses and so I thought hearing how can baking exercise our hearing and so this is what this article said it said that if you're if you practice baking enough, you can hear when the dough is ready by the air that escapes the dough when you're um, 
when you're needing it. And I thought, huh, that's amazing. Because when we, you know, you hear how you lose, if you lose one sense, you, uh, it makes your other senses stronger. And I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. Um, along that line, I was talking to my niece today about how learning voiceover on my Apple devices has really been exercising my audio, audio skills, my listening skills, because I've always been a, I've always kind of been a visual slash audio learner, but I think leaning more towards visual. So starting to do everything by audio has been really challenging. And I was feeling really, really like I can't do it in the beginning, especially when I was listening to YouTube videos about voiceover and there were people doing demos and I was just listening and they had the demos, like the voiceover voice lady. Um, I call her Karen. <laughs> I think it's Samantha or something. But um, her voice, they have it. You can change the speed of the voice. And they would have it really fast. And I was like, I'm never going to learn how to do this. But I think that when you, like they say, are... I think it's not just taking one of your senses away, but I think it's out of desperation. It's like my only opportunity to ingest this information is through my ears. And so I'm practicing doing that. And I feel like I'm getting better. I think I know I'm getting better because I can like go through my iPhone pretty fast and check all my messages now when before it was like one by one. So I think, I think uh, what I got out of my research on baking and recovery um, is that baking, I always thought baking was about what's coming out of, you know, the cupcake that comes out of the other end. <laughs> uh, I probably shouldn't have said it that way. But it's really about the experience. And what's interesting is that just this morning in my meeting, bright and early this morning, there was uh, an individual who said, who, who rides motorcycles, and he said that the ride is the destination. And so as I was wrapping up my research for today with this baking and recovery, I thought that's this is that's it. It's baking, it's the experience that is the destination. It's not the cupcake. You know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have a cupcake in the, in the end. But that experience, I have a lot more appreciation for what baking can do for me. And so I'm going to try it out a little more um, and see what I can bake other than pretzels. I've been thinking, 
I'm gonna make cheddar pretzels and today we made buttered pretzels with salt and then we made some cinnamon sugar pretzels um and we were talking about oh we can make pizza pretzels and ham and cheese pretzels and cheese well I, I could probably try to bake something else now um and now that I see what it does for me and how it makes me feel honestly the two days that I have baked pretzels I have felt so happy at the end of the day even though my head is very foggy right now um, I feel emotionally fulfilled and some days that's all I want out of the day you know I just want some some happiness and um, and so yeah that's what I got for you I hope that I didn't go all over the place too bad but whatever <laughs> Um, thanks for listening and I'll talk to you tomorrow.